Alex Marlowe, Editor-in-Chief of Breitbart News, and this is the Breitbart News Daily Podcast. This is a historic show. It's my final show in the captain's chair, but we move forward. And in the opening, I wax a little bit nostalgic, but I'm mostly looking ahead to the future and talking about some things that I'm working on now and the future of the show, which is in really terrific hands. More on that in a moment. And then we get into the news, because why not? That is what we're here for. Hunter Biden revelations, my final analysis of the Titan submersible and the media frenzy that went along with it, as well as some 2024 analysis and more. Our final guest on the podcast with me is fitting because it is our next host, Mike Slater, a radio veteran who will be taking the helm of Breitbart News Daily starting on Monday, and we will initiate uh, him and you, the podcast listeners. Mike's a terrific guy. He was my pick to step in when I decided that it was time for me to... I I guess move on, I guess is one way of putting it. But if you want to stay up to date with me, again, alexmarlow.com, as I've been plugging all week, is the place to go. I hit that point a bunch in the opening. Uh, but Mike is a great guy. Getting to know him, I think, will be a pleasure and will be informative for you as well. And I'm wishing him the best. And I think after you hear the interview, if you're unfamiliar with Mike, you'll be as excited as I am. And then we have a special coda for you at the end of the broadcast today. Uh, from the live show, there was just such an outpouring of love and support and emotion. Uh, and I wanted to give you a little taste of that before um, my last show. So we're including a little 10-minute clip from the live show to wrap up my radio tenure on Breitbart News Daily and Sirius XM. We thought that'd be a nice thing to do to cap off my final podcast. Let's get into it. Yesterday And apropos, uh, Hunter Biden demanded payment from a Chinese businessman, Henry Zhao. Uh, Zhao is, of course, featured in Breaking Biden, as you can imagine. And I will resist the temptation to read from portions of the book, which is inappropriate, I think, at this point, um, regarding Zhao. But is this could potentially blow up the narrative, what we learned yesterday, that Hunter Biden and Joe Biden had nothing whatsoever to deal with Hunter's business dealings. So uh, Wendell Husabo sums it up for us at Breitbart that Hunter Biden demanded in 2017 to be paid by the CCP-linked Chinese businessman Henry Zhao, while President Joe Biden was sitting, quote-unquote, sitting next to him, according to a screenshot of a WhatsApp message from an IRS whistleblower. Now, WhatsApp is an encrypted message system, and it's also one where... I don't think it's like the best sort of encryption. I, I've got it, but I try to avoid it. I think it's because Zuckerberg owns it. So that always makes me a little bit suspicious. Um, but the message here is completely, completely blows up the report that Hunter and, and, and Joe didn't ever talk about business. Here is the message. I am sitting here with my father, and we would like to understand why the commitment made has not been fulfilled. Tell the, tell the director that I would like to resolve this now before it gets out of hand, and now means tonight. And Z, notice how Hunter tends to use that uh, first letter? Z, if I get a call or a text from anyone involved 
in this other than you, Zhang or the chairman? Which one's Zhang? You look that up. I will make certain that between the man sitting next to me and every person he knows and my ability to forever hold the grudge that you will regret not following my direction. I'm sitting here waiting for the call with my father. He says it again. He says it again. So he's with his father. He's at a minimum threatening to use his father. So now, was Joe there? Was this a good negotiating tactic? Because we know Hunter. Hunter is dishonest. We know Hunter very well could have said that and Joe couldn't have been there. But if we know that that was the tactic Hunter was using, that explains everything. That explains all the five and six figure payments for art. It explains how he got on boards like the board of Burisma. Um, I go through pretty much every single Biden family business that we know of and its connections to whichever foreign entities there are. And there it was a arduous process to do that. And I learned stunning stuff and was reminded of stuff when I did this. Um, one after the next, after the next, I'm scrolling through it right now. And I just did a very tempting to start start reading to you. I'm not going to, but it'll all be out there. But this is a big deal because this really does uh, implicate Joe and in a way where Joe needs to be held accountable and Joe should have to answer questions on this. Other interesting items that came up, uh, Hunter Biden, the Hunter Biden investigation actually began as an offshoot of inquiry into a foreign adult platform. Joe Pollack writes this up for us at Breitbart News. The Internal Revenue Service IRS investigation in Hunter Biden began as an offshoot of an investigation the IRS was conducting into a foreign-based amateur online pornography platform, according to testimony released Thursday. House Ways and Means Committee released transcripts of closed-door testimony by IRS employees, including Criminal Supervisory Special Agent Gary Shapley, a whistleblower. As Breitbart News reported, Shapley told Congress the Department of Justice had prevented U.S. Attorney for Delaware David Weiss from bringing more serious charges against Hunter Biden, President Joe Biden's son. He also testified that the IRS had been in possession of information that seemed to implicate Joe Biden, such as a WhatsApp message in which Hunter Biden pressured a foreign associate and said his father was next to him. And he testified that Assistant U.S. Attorney Leslie Wolf quashed questions into whether Joe Biden was, quote, the big guy, unquote. So we know that Hunter Biden paid the prostitutes. We know Hunter Biden had an account on Pornhub. I don't know if that's the one. But it's just noteworthy that that was the investigation. Um, man, the Internet's a dangerous place. You get in a lot of trouble over there. But the whistleblower says the DOJ shut down questions about uh, the the question of whether or not 10 held for H and for the big guy meant that uh, the big guy was was Joe Biden, which, of course, it was. Somehow, even another wacky Hunter Biden story came out yesterday. He was kicked out of a sex club, a very expensive five figure entry sex club for grabbing women's behinds and acting like a spoiled child. This does not strike me as impossible. A guy named Damon Lawner, who founded the Notorious Sanctum Club, which was a sex club membership, was like $75,000 a year. 
I have to say, I've not gone down the rabbit hole of what a sex club would be, but it's the, how does that work? I don't even understand how that would work. A lot of depravity in this country. Hunter's $10,000 payment led Lawner to receive an IRS subpoena. So he got subpoenaed in this because Hunter had cut them a big check. Lawner claimed the payment was made through a mystery woman in 2018. He was later informed, I'm reading from the New York Post now, of a pro by the IRS criminal division who asked me about bookkeeping and records. So Hunter got a wrist slap for all this, but it's noteworthy that he acted inappropriately in a sex club. And one of the rules of sanctum was you always have to ask before you touch. Well, Hunter didn't think he had to. When I told Hunter, Lawner says, that he had to leave, that people were complaining about his behavior, he was belligerent and acted like a spoiled child. But he did leave. None of that surprises me. He probably couldn't get too high of a profile, but he was probably upset that he was getting kicked out of the sex club. Uh, I, I, I just don't know if people need a club for that stuff. Maybe, maybe, maybe be better just get married. Just a thought. Just a thought. Maybe that's not good enough for people, though, these days. Kind of smiling as I say it, but maybe I shouldn't be. All right. Um... So the, the, I just, I, I just can't get over this stuff, how he just, Hunter keeps getting into things. He keeps getting away with it. I mean, it's sexual harassment, right? Like, shouldn't we be looking into that too? Only paying the baby mama five grand can still get a gun, even though he had a federal gun, gun charge and a history of drug use. He gets away with it all. This is why I was saying there's a chance that Hunter Biden might be the only cool Democrat. I will say, after you read Breaking Biden, uh, you will reject that take. It's a, somehow he comes off worse than he does to this point in all of our minds, reading all these news stories. 866-95-PATRIOT, if you have any comments on that. Still, I just can't believe it. Getting thrown out of sex clubs. Like, I mean, has Hunter lost all self-respect? How do you even get in? Why do you even let him in? All right. Um, I have to bring it up. The sub- submersible, because I want people's takes on it. The big thing that was going around on the right yesterday was Wall Street Journal had a report with four bylines. I always love when there's like four bylines on a story that's relatively minor in the scheme of things, though it did captivate everyone's attention. Uh, noting that a lot was known about the submersible's disappearance as of Sunday. So it's Friday morning now. Hawaiian shirt Friday, by the way. So if you can demonstrate to Zach and Bill that you're wearing a Hawaiian shirt and jeans, you will get him first on the call boards. But we knew about this on Sunday, and then we didn't start talking about it somehow until we got all this whistleblower testimony on Hunter, and we got Hunter's uh, BS slap on the wrist, if you can even call it that, guilty place with almost no consequences. So then all of that news cycle got completely swallowed up by the submersible. Um, well, anyway, rest in peace to everyone on board. Everyone uh, is dead, apparently. And if they're not, that is really impressive at this point. I don't mean to joke. It's, it's very sad. But if you watch this thing get put together, this Ocean Gate vessel, it just, how could it not get crushed by the weight of the sea? 
You've got to respect Mother Nature, I've got to say. I've got to say. Um, catastrophic implosion is the way it was described. James Cameron, who probably knows more about Titanic than just about anyone, said, I'm struck by the similarity of the Titanic disaster itself, where the captain was repeatedly warned about ice ahead of the ship, and yet he steamed at full speed into an ice field. This is one where there was constant warnings about how dangerous this was. One other billionaire came out and said he was um, did not want to go on the mission because he was not impressed by the safety precautions that had taken place. It's still one where I'm mixed on it because I just don't want us as a society to turn our nose up at explorers. They all seem a little wacky. And without them, though, how do we move ahead? It's a there's the people's natural inclination is going to be to go uh, to go with the flow, to go with what's familiar, to go with what's comfortable, not what's necessarily enriching for you or enriching for society. Now, was a submersible trip down submersible trip down to the Titanic necessarily the best use of your uh, instincts to explore? Clearly not. Clearly not. But I'm just a, a little skeptical of being overly judgy. And sometimes you risk your life to do it. That's part of part of being an explorer in a lot of cases. You could be not stupid. That's also good. But I'm, I'm just not quite as judgmental as some other people. And I think that's part of the fun, as I mentioned on yesterday's show. I just hope the implosion happened quickly because a, a it would have meant a short, relatively painless death versus the slowly suffocating in the dark with some strangers in a small cigar tube. But noteworthy how the information did not come out until it was too late. Too late because it overwhelmed the rest of the important stuff that was in the news. All right, a couple other items in the news that I do want to bring up and put on the table if people want to call in. Sorry for any farewell sentiments that I will take. Um, Ron DeSantis, and if he would support Donald Trump, I don't think it's going to ultimately matter, meaning he would not answer. Did Wouldn't say if he would support Trump. Um, he is, his campaign is, it has a lot of literal never Trumpers in it. Not just people who we pejoratively call never Trumpers, but people who are part of the never Trump movement in 2016. And that is a really terrible, terrible thing for him. And not just for this election, not just 2024, but for 2028. And uh, ladies and gentlemen, allow me to say it's important we have a deep bench. Uh, if I've not convinced you that DeSantis is not running a great campaign right now, then I, I don't know what to say. Uh, I'm not even telling you not to vote for him. I'm not even saying he wouldn't be the best president of the, of the group. I haven't said that. But I have said he's definitely run the worst campaign of anyone running. And by a mile. And this is another example. And I've been saying this, by the way, since the end of last year, beginning of this year, when he was running the shadow campaign, which was terrible. But you can't do the never Trump stuff. Have uh, you noticed how Ted Cruz is not running this year? Do you think Ted Cruz does not want to be president? Of course he wants to be president. And he'd love to take out Donald Trump, who made fun of his wife and dad. But why isn't Ted Cruz running? Ted Cruz is not running because Ted Cruz is not, a, is not an idiot, and he knew he blew it last time. Um, so if DeSantis is going to keep doing that stuff, I mean, I just, I was stunned by that. 
his only chance is to take the high road. His only chance is to say, class it up and say, absolutely, I would vote for Donald Trump if he's the nominee. Only chance. Won't do it. And he's being told in his ear, he's getting chirped in his ear that don't, don't take him on. You got to be tough. You got to be the alpha. You can't out alpha Trump. You can outclass Trump though. You can't do that. And Trump thinks of himself as a classy guy and you can be classier still. That's the approach I would recommend, but clearly they're not taking my advice. I'll leave a big exclusive with Marjorie Taylor Greene from yesterday with uh, Wendell, who, which everyone should check out. Talk about her impeachment vote against Joe Biden, which she'd been working on for a long time. Um, this is the superior of the impeachment efforts. The other one is um, Congressman Boberts, Congresswoman Boberts, which is, um, I, I, I don't know if it's a stunt or not. I don't know, even though I generally like Congresswoman Boberts, good person in for the right reasons. But uh, it feels that one feels more stunty to me, relatively speaking, to Marjorie Taylor Greene's, which seems much more uh, uh, honed. So that's the one to keep an eye on and watch that one progress. Um, Coors Light has embraced Denver Pride Parade, according to Axios. So, you know the expression, hold my beer? Well, that's what Coors Light just said to Bud Light. Bud Light is getting trounced because of the wokeness. Coors Light says, you know what? We're still doing Pride Parade. Uh, CNBC had a very important article yesterday where they talked about how boycotts rarely work, but it creates a backlash within companies. And this is why I've been been saying this on the show. I don't think boycotts work most of the time. I think most of the time they fail. But it's still important to conduct them when it's a very principled matter because they could potentially put pressure on corporations and make them rethink at a minimum that they're not connecting with their own audience, that they're disparaging their own audience, that they're being ungrateful to their own audience, their own consumer base. And those are real conversations that take place in C-suites across America and in boardrooms across America. And we want those conversations to take place, even if we can't win them all and we can't convince everyone. But at a minimum, it should be very uncomfortable to introduce um, perverted groomer content, I don't know, into Major League Baseball or to indulge in the trans cult when you're a light beer brand. It's good for those companies to at least have to talk it through. And we have not really, um, I, I, I think having clarity on that issue is incredibly important. That you don't have to win every boycott. Sometimes it is good. Just the fact that you have put the pressure on can have downstream effects. It can change hearts and minds and it can have a effect over a longer period of time. So I'm not saying you boycott every time. I want to be smart because if they feel completely, I think it is a big, a big backlash could take place. Pendulum could swing the other direction and then it's not, not a good thing. But I think that's where the principle works. The principle works in that sometimes you don't just have to win when it comes to the corporate stock, sometimes when the human beings that make the decision within the corporation have to be exposed to your viewpoint and to your passion, I think when done in a thoughtful way, in a calculated way, that can be productive even if you don't immediately see their stock falling off a cliff. Ah, this is what I was thinking. You know what? The... 
you know what the sex club reminded me of, the Hunter Biden sex club? One of the first scenes in My Son Hunter, where Hunter's character, played by Lawrence Fox, goes to a sex club. That's so cool. MySonHunter.com, by the way, if you want to get the movie, Breitbart's first uh, a fictional movie. They say all good things must come to an end, but not necessarily if you can find a way to prolong the good thing, just make it a little bit different. And that's what we're doing here on Breitbart News Daily. Uh, we've got Mike Slater. He is a longtime talk radio veteran. He might be familiar to any of you who watch the first TV as well. And he's someone who uh, emerged as a very strong potential voice for me to step in to my shoes uh, as I came to the conclusion that it was not sustainable for me to do radio at 3 a.m. in the morning, the point I've been making. And uh, Mike became clear that he's the guy, and I think he's got a huge skill set and a lot of tools at his disposal and a growing, an already deeper growing understanding of the Breitbart News brand. So I think you, the, the listener, will be in good hands with Mike. And it felt like a fitting thing to do for my last podcast to have him on in a handoff segment is what they call it so you'll hear that i think you'll dig it this is mike slater mike good morning alex good morning man how you doing brother what a, what a last couple days of you and hearing your stories and hearing how much everyone loves you and is going to miss you and what a testament to what you've built over these last seven years on the air and and also on breitbart.com truly keeping the legacy between you and Larry of Andrew and like, here's just a bit of the fruit of that. So well done, man. I hope you have really enjoyed these last few days and, and really feel everyone's appreciation. I, I do feel it. And that does matter. And there's a lot of things that you can look at in your life for that make you feel alive. And some things in life make you feel yeah. numb. And, but the, one of these moments when you're making a big transition and people do feel like they come out of the woodwork to try to uh, express their appreciation or admiration or just that you were part of their life in some way. Even the few people who've emailed me nasty and mean things is kind of fun in, in an odd way. It's part of the business. Well, um, but well, radio is yeah. powerful. Radio is right. weird, fun, unique, powerful in that way. Like when it comes to, let's just focus on the thank yous for now. Like you and I, we've been doing this a long time. You and I together. We get like, oh, thank you. Thank you for what you do. Yes. And like yes. no one else gets that. Like no, like, no accountants or even <laughs> truck drivers. No one like stops them and they're like, hey, And they man, should. Thanks, they should. Thanks for what you do. <laughs> it's right. like, oh, like, you're welcome. Yeah. No, it is. We're very blessed in that regard. And it is intoxicating. And it's important not to let it get your head too much. Uh, we have the benefit, me in particular, I think, because I broadcast from my from my house. Um, that you don't, you don't see the people you're making a connection with, but they're there They're and they're very important connections. Um, and I know there are people in the audience listening now who have a, a tear in their eye because there's just something so deep about that relationship between talk show host and, and an audience member and caller. And I think this is something that I appreciate so much because I was on the other end of it for so long. And I always mm -hmm. want to be in the air now that I've got the bug. I know you do too, Mike. I, I always want to be on the air. I always want to have a show, but there is just for me, it, it's 
my coming of age as a conservative was done through the airwaves. And that is so powerful and it'll be a part of my character and my identity for as long as I'm on this planet. And I want to hear about your story, but how did you come to talk radio? When did you decide that this is for me? This is what I want to do. Man, it's so funny. And I I do not want to take too much time on me. I've got plenty of time for that. I do want to focus mostly on you because I got a couple of things I want to say to you, uh, to say to the audience about you, but I will answer that because I think we have a similar story. Um, My dad was a conservative. My mom was flaming on fire liberal, like, <laughs> like, like hated Rush Limbaugh. We were not, I, if her and I were in the car, we turned, we were not allowed to listen to Rush Limbaugh. <laughs> he hated him. Um, obviously made him all the more intriguing, but she did like Dr. Laura. So uh-huh. we were allowed to listen to Dr. Laura and we were allowed to listen to uh, the local guy at the time. Uh, Jim Reith was his name. Syracuse, New York is where I, I grew up. Um, so we would drive to swim practice 45 minutes each way every day. And we would listen to the afternoon guy, my mom and I, and whatever he was talking about, that is what we would talk about around the dinner table that night. So I grew up wanting to be that guy. I grew up wanting to be the guy who set, set conversations for families. So I, my first radio job was a morning show and I've done every time slot in 16 years. Um, but I, I loved the morning show because there were kids listening. And I was the only radio show host who would ever say, if your kids are sitting in the back seat and they ask you a question, uh, turn the radio off. We'll be back tomorrow. Have that conversation with your kids. Uh, that's more important than anything. And, that, that, and, and the greatest compliment anyone would give me is, hey, I, I listen with my kids on the way to school. It's like, oh, yes, I, I, I know exactly what that's like. Um, so I just wanted to be that guy. And then grew up and same thing, Rush, Glenn, um, all those guys. Uh, same, just like you. We're the same age. So we listen to the same things, and we're like, wow, that's, that's it. And what's so cool about you, Alex, is you're not an editor-in-chief who dabbles in radio. You are a radio guy. <laughs> you're like, you're, you're yeah. passionate about radio who happens to be an amazing editor-in-chief, uh, which I think is, is, well, at least as a fellow radio guy, that's the best way to have it. Yeah, and your story about starting conversations, it's so perfect. And that's how I approach both parts of my job, the radio part and the front page editing part is I, I'm not a preacher. I don't preach. I will not preach. Uh, there are certain things that I'm pretty much hundred percent convinced of. Uh, and I will share that with the audience when I'm that confident, but I do want to start the conversations. And I think that most conversations uh, are not black and white. I think that eventually certain truths emerge and, uh, the correct viewpoints I do think uh, eventually emerge over time. But I'm trying to approach the show in terms of this is not a day or an hour or a segment. Uh, this is a lifetime of, of evolving. And it's a two-way street. It's really sort of a three-way street between guest host and callers, uh, as well as people who can't call in, email, etc. Uh, but that's what it is. It's a conversation, and it does not have to involve agreement. It does not have to involve even disagreement. Sometimes it can be involved abstaining that I don't know yet. I want to... Uh, figure out where this is going first and making sure you use all of those tools is I think what makes Breitbart compelling is that I caution my, my editors and my writers don't feel like you have to come down too hard on the side at, at, yeah. at the start. Maybe we get there, but for now let's just get the news out. Let's just be the dependable newswire for people so that people know what's the truth. Let's start from there. And then eventually certain things might emerge. And then when you take a stand, Mike, and I know you know this, then when you take a stand, people 
really sit up and listen and go, wow, he's bringing mm-hmm. it now. He must know this. And I always thought that that was a great way to conduct not just the show, but news in general. And I think that being in denial of your opinions, like the fake news CNN, New York Times does, that is so dishonest and so horrible. But if you can be upfront with people, this is where I got my news hat on. Now I got my opinion hat on. Here's where I'm somewhere in between. Then you get the conversation going and you get all those voices. And then we learn from each other. Gosh, that's so in the spirit of Andrew, too. Like everyone, if, if you haven't read Righteous Nation by Andrew Breitbart, uh, like that's so it. Like let's get it right. Uh, as a fan of Breitbart for, I mean, whatever, 10 years, uh, and I just want to tell everyone that I, I've, I've dabbled on the inside of Breitbart.com now, and I'm so excited to join the family for the long term. But um, it, it's, it's awesome, and it's just what Al said. It's like let's do this right. No flamethrowing, uh, no exaggerating. Journalist first. And that's so uh, unique uh, everywhere from all spectrums in the news media to be uh, to get it right. And, and part of it is not I'm not a I'm not an old person. I'm not a I'm not young conservative anymore. People might recall Mike at a show on Sirius XM many years ago. Mike uh, Mike's later young conservative. Uh, it's a, yeah, no, that, it, it, that ship has sailed four kids ago. Yeah, exactly. And and I'm, I'm at least I'm at least three in myself, and uh, and and it is it definitely is something that I have to I have to make my peace with that the young conservative is <laughs> not exactly relevant anymore. But you know, the intention is to make a difference for decades. It is not to make a difference mm-hmm. just today or tomorrow. We don't have to agree on whichever is the issue du jour. Um, but looking at it in terms of how do we make a contribution, how to to this country, in the cause of advancing judeo-christian and american values over time yeah. and what's the best approach to that and i think you and i are pretty simpatico in that which makes you a natural fit to take over and starting monday which will be very excited and i'm excited to join as a guest probably next week even um but i have to say yeah. mike you have another big responsibility here i don't know if you're aware of this you, you are now going to be programming all of content for fox news and you will not get paid a penny to do it and this is going to be, this is a big deal, the Breitbart News Daily. We've done this for years. It's been a week and a nod thing. It's the the producers there are going to be, they're not going to know what to do when they wake up Monday morning. So you're going to have to help them out because, you know, they, a lot of people get their news from Fox too, and Fox has got to get their news from somewhere. I love it. I love it. And and uh, and how much do our callers have an influence on that as well? Like So literally a, everyone a listening now has a direct line to the editor-in-chief of Breitbart.com which then is the signal for the rest of the entire conservative <laughs> news outlet, which is then the signal for politics. Like, like that's powerful. That's powerful. Enough. I want to, before you let me go, and I, I, I do want to go because uh, I want other people to call in and shower you with praise. Um, I want to say two things to everyone listening. Uh, I, I've a, so I have a, a, I had a different job and our bosses had a uh, no blank hall hiring policy. There's like, we don't want it. We don't want it. We don't, we don't deal with it. And I just want to tell everyone from, again, the little bit I know of the Breitbart.com people, you, I don't know if you guys officially have that same policy uh, or it's just happened that way. But everyone I've talked to has been authentic and a joy and real. And, and that's something in radio that you can't fake it. You can't fake it on radio. People can see right through it. And I just want to tell everyone that I've seen that at all the people I've talked to at Breitbart.com, Alex, and then Larry, uh, the two at foremost, good, genuine guys. And I like most successful people I know are jerks. <laughs> or <to> like, <laughs> and, and I just want to tell everyone that these guys are not. They are real. And I think the most important thing 
And a caller mentioned this earlier, again, the first hour. Um, even if you Google Alex Marlowe, one of the first interviews that comes up is an uh, interview you did with some guy who does a dad podcast. Yeah. Um, and you just talked about how important your kids are to you and your wife, and that's the reason why you're in California. Um, but your kids, and you love being a dad, and that shows and comes through, and I just want to tell everyone is real. Um, he loves his kids and he loves being a dad and that is rare these days. And it's especially rare with people as successful and prominent, um, who want to be home, who want to be with their kids and family and put them first. Uh, I don't know how you've quite balanced that as well as you have, but I just oh, want no, to I know that, that it's impossible. True. Yeah. 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 I haven't, I've, I've failed completely in that regard. Mm. <laughs> no, no, I'm you, joking. My, it, it, it's a wonderful, no, it, it's a, it's a wonderful, it's a wonderful thing. And, and it is, um, it is something that is a constant challenge, but it's something that I think you can pull it off when you have the right philosophy and you set the right approach to life. And I don't think life is about, uh, the pleasure seeking. And I don't think it's about the yeah. immediate gratification. I think uh, life is about trying to create meaning and trying to create legacy. And there's a, a couple ways to do that. And one of them is, trying to have a have a career and one of them is having as many has having as solid of a family as possible and i think that when you're lucky uh, as we are to be able to talk into a microphone then it gets even better because you don't know who's out there you know there's someone out there who's going to be who's going to be the next great talk show host who's listening right now the same way you and i were in the car mm driving around listening to our favorites and that to me is just gives me a chill just to think about that yeah, that's cool. What an honor. It's so surreal. It really is. Like, I haven't had time to digest it yet and uh, won't really because we start on Monday. <laughs> yeah. um, but it's, it's surreal and an honor, and I can't wait. I'm so grateful that you would, again, to go back to the no blank hole policy, uh, the fact that you would do a, a passing of the torch here and have me on and be a part of it and give me the okay. Because that way, I'm not, I'm not, you couldn't, you didn't have to. And I could have stepped that's in true. on Monday and I was like, who's this? Who's this guy? This is it, Alex. Boom, done. I'm done. Right. So thank you for taking the time to. Uh, well, we're, we're okay. all rooting for you, Mike, uh, me first and foremost. And it was a long process to try to find someone to anoint someone to take the mic, so to speak. And Mike Slater's not just our guy, Sirius XM. He's my guy. So if you guys support me, you'll give Mike a good shot. But I already know that's happening because the feedback's been great from when you filled in. So thank you for the last six months and looking forward to the next few years, hopefully. Hey, man, I cannot wait for you to wake up at a normal hour. I just want everyone to know, like, I've, I've done, like, tw I did, I started three days a week waking up at 2.30 to do the show. I'm in California, too. I've been in San Diego. Uh, and you, it's, that's not sustainable. So I, I literally told the, you guys, I was like, Listen, I got to do two. I, I can't do three days a week. It's too much. Yeah. And then, like, it was a couple weeks that I was like, wait a second. Alex did five, five days a week? How, how is that possible? Two years of five days a week waking up at 2.30? That is, that is, I don't know how you're alive. So I'm just um, excited for you to sleep. Yeah, that's part of the fear. That's part of why it's important, Mike, for you to step in because I, I would like to stay alive yeah. for a long time because all this happy talk about me, I'm going to make contribution for decades. It doesn't really work if I'm not here. So that is... No, uh, no, it, no, <laughs> no, 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 that is unsustainable. Good night, man. So wake up and like go for like a run in the morning and be healthy. Please. <laughs> you know what I've been doing? And, and, uh, I get the baby. I get the baby in the backpack. That's the that's the move. So I, I got the. Uh, that's right. You know, that's backpack. right. You'll still be waking up at two a.m. 
Yeah. No, you know, they make it to six, but it's the, it won't, it won't okay. be any later than that. It won't be any later than that. Mike Slater, <laughs> the new great. host of Breitbart News Daily. Uh, I will be listening in on Monday. Best of luck to you. And I know we'll be in, in touch probably more often than you like, but you know what? We'll, we're we're going to make it work. Let's do it. Be the man, brother. Thank you. You too, my friend. We'll be right back. got a couple of bonuses for you today on the Brightport News Daily podcast, just to make it a little extra special uh, for my last show. And these were entirely things I insisted upon. Uh, producer Zach Jones joined me for the first time on the show. He is, I think, um, someone who is part contemporary, but also part protege for me. And I think that's very cool. He does a great job in his first time being on the air with me talking about uh, what talk radio means to him. And I think his optimism for the future as well comes into play. So this is producer Zach. Zach, hello, my friend. How are you doing? I'm great. Don't hype it up too much, though. I don't want to let the audience down. You know, but I don't like doing the thing where the, the you know what? I, a lot of hosts do the thing where they make fun of all their other staff, and I just hate that. Like I, I detest that. And I, I and so I'm not going to do that thing. Where, oh, Zach wants to be on. Zach, why is Zach going to be on? <laughs> hosts do that all the time. Like primetime hosts on Fox do that stuff. And I just, like, I just don't get it. Like it's not funny to me, and it's kind of mean. So yeah, I appreciate. Uh, I am that. excited. Yeah. I just, mean, there's a lot just, of things you could make fun of, so I appreciate the restraint <laughs> in not making fun of it. There we go. Zach's first joke. His first joke in the air. Everyone, write it down. <laughs> what a day! It is a big day. Zach, tell me about how you found the show. How I found the show? Um, yeah. So, yeah, no, I, I started, so, I mean, I'm not going to bore everyone with too much of my biography, but I found talk radio when I was in high school because the FM dial in my car broke, so I went to AM and sort of fell in love with, like, Rush and a lot of sports talk and the local people in Cincinnati. Um, so, I at that point, I knew I wanted to do radio, and I was blessed to get a job in 2015, did that part-time on weekends. Um, in 2018, Sirius XM was like, hey, we need a person to fill in as a producer for others when they're sick or on vacation or things like that. So that's when I started the company and I was like, okay, well, what's out there? What's actually on the platform now that I've got the subscription? Um, and that's when I sort of first found Breitbart through the weekend shows at first because that's when I was listening more driving around, which sure. then led to... So I think Matt was the first person I listened to, and then a little bit of Joel. And I think it was probably four or five months in when I was really like, hey, this morning show guy's not too bad. Like, he, he thinks he's got it. Like, it's pretty good. <laughs> so that was, like, probably the first time. I would say probably, like, mid-2019. So it's all you hitting on all cylinders. And I think that was the first time I really was like, yeah, this Alex guy seems pretty cool. And that was obviously years before I think I'd even filled in for like Paul or Haley, as far as just like actually getting to work with you. And so, but this is some, so you're a younger guy. Tell me about what you think of the medium talk radio. Cause you're, you're making your career in it. And, and I, 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 it feels like I feel always feel very encouraged um, when younger people take to this medium, because for me, this is where it's at. And I, I love headlines. I mean, arguably the best thing I do is write headlines and I love front pages and I love podcasts, but there's just something special about the live long form talk radio that just is 
uh, is just the best. And and I, I do you agree with me on that. I just want to know if you feel like there's a future for it or if you feel like the world's kind of going to move on from that eventually. I definitely think there's a future for it. And obviously I'm biased because I fell in love with it. And I, I think you'll agree, like when you get bit by the radio bug, it bites hard and it doesn't let go. Yes. Like, you yes. know, like, I, I just want to listen to all the radio all the time. And it was just like, when it came time to, what do I want to go to school for and spend my days doing? It was like running radio shows, being a part of this. So I'm obviously biased in that regard. I'm hopeful for the future, but obviously it's going to turn more into like people our age and younger view it more as podcast. Like what we're yeah. doing right now is less of a radio show and it's more of this is the live broadcast of the podcast and right. we can go back and listen to it. So I'm hopeful in that regard where maybe the live numbers won't be as great, but I still think the audiences will be there and we're just a, such a on-demand society. They'll be like, well, I'll listen to Alex whenever I want to. So yes. that's kind of one of those challenges, but I am optimistic. Like people are kind of like, oh, you know, radio's dying. And I'm like, no, it's just changing to more like everything in our culture. Like it's on demand and people wanting to do it on their own pace. But I don't, I'm not like, oh my gosh, in 10 years, this medium will be just totally gone. You know, I, I like your approach on that because that makes me feel vindicated in my decision to step away from the broadcast in a way because my main beef with the broadcast is only when I have to start the broadcast. It's, there's nothing else about it. There's only the one thing. It starts at 3 a.m. where I live. And that's so if, if we're just moving into you record it when you can record it and then people catch up and try to connect with the host um, on their own terms and at their own time, uh, I can live with that. And that makes me feel good. But it's just there's something about the long form conversation where people can complete a thought interact with an audience uh it, it just it just you just can't get better than that it's my favorite form of entertainment it always has been and i just hope there's a big future so zach i gotta ask you two questions okay um g give me first of all give me something you've learned from me or from doing the show putting you on the spot something i've something learned. You learned okay yes. i have two answers one is not so serious one i learned that you are a big horror movie fan like scary movies mm. you would have never guessed that and i'm going to tell the audience i'm going to give them a peek behind the curtain alex is probably the most knowledgeable person about conservative politics i know i think you know more about scary movies and horror stuff like that wow i i Look really i really do like the most passionate conversations we've had off air have not been about like presidential politics. They've been about like John Carpenter films. Like I feel like that's hilarious and very insightful. So that was something I learned and appreciate your take on that. Can I tell you something funny that uh, Nolte Nolte sentiment to me when he heard I was stepping away from the show was, and I, I almost want to read it if I can pull it up fast enough. His uh, there, there was, there was no emotion. There were no tear, uh, tear shed. Um, he just said, congrats on getting out. We'll have more time to talk about horror movies now. <laughs> That's good. That was it. That was it. And there you'll was have my more time Godfather. to watch horror movies. Yeah, my, my actual Godfather, who's been on the show for, it has to be dozens and dozens of hours, maybe more, uh, over the years. And that was his, that was his takeaway. That's good. No, I, I think that's good for you. And I hope, you know, even... As you won't be here every day, I hope I can still text you about like, hey, I just finished this season of The Walking Dead and it sucked or it ruled or finally yeah. watched The Fog, which I know you've they been don't on rule. me for a long time. Oh, yeah. Oh, good. How was The Fog? I haven't watched it yet. I, I, oh, I, the, I'm glad you won't be able to yell at me. <laughs> the, 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 why would I yell at you? I've never yelled at you. The, 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 the most rewatchable of all of Carpenter's movies. Um, okay. But the serious me, one. Give me something you learned in terms of because you say I'm knowledgeable about politics, which is which is cool. I appreciate that. Give me something you've learned that's like a 
fact or an angle on something that you wouldn't have thought of? Well, it's more of an angle because there's just so much. It's hard to remember exact specifics. But I think the thing I appreciate and I learned from you, and hopefully I can incorporate this in my life and the audience can too. You talk about honesty and being direct, which I think is very... um, appreciated. I think that's good. You need to, you know, you can't put up a front or anything like that. But you always talk about not wanting to do happy talk, which I think is so crucial because you can be honest and sugarcoat things like, oh, this or that. And I always appreciated that you were like, because there's a fine balance between you don't want to be a pessimist. You don't want to be a liar, but you also need to be honest about things. And I think like a great example is it is going to be tremendously hard in a general election for Donald Trump to beat Joe Biden. I think we need to be honest about that. I think you've yeah. been honest about that. Um, we could turn this into a Trump rally and say, there's no way, dude, he's a thousand percent. Put your life savings on that. He's going to win. But that wouldn't be honest. So I think yeah. the the idea of we're not going to happy talk it. This can happen. We need to push for it. We need to do everything we can and stay informed and be involved in elections and things like that. But there's no need to happy talk it and be like, oh, it's all going to work out. Nothing's negative yeah. And it's all it's all cherries. And this is where I uh, this is not to make this a shameless plug, but this is why I spent a year researching Joe Biden, trying to lay out the definitive story of his rise to power and how devastating it's been to our country is because I don't I don't think it's it's in the bag that everyone just understands what a bad guy Joe Biden is and what a bad family he has and how uh, Trump is going to cakewalk. And I feel like that we need people to be engaged on. Uh, all uh, uh, have every argument at their fingertips available to them. So that's why um, I put that together. And I'm glad that I I convinced you that it is you can still be optimistic uh, about our country long term and understand that we have some serious headwinds. Um, Zach, I know you wanted to be on the mic. Was there anything particular you wanted to say or you just wanted to hang out on air while you had the chance? Um, A little bit of hanging out because, you know, the radio bug thing. But I mean, really, I... I just want to thank you again. Uh, see, look at me. I'm quivering. Uh, it's all going to be good. Um, no, I just want to thank you because, you know, working on a radio show five days a week was one of the goals of mine. Like I said, I started part-time. I moved from Cincinnati to D.C. to do sort of the fill-in producer work. And you were sort of the person that really said, hey, this Zach guy could work out. And I'll always be eternally grateful that you were like, yeah, this is my baby five days a week. I'm letting you in the room and you're you're a part of the team and I think I really appreciate it like from day one you sought my feedback you were never like oh you need to figure things out or you're too young to comment on this like you always treated me like a valued member of the team and I really appreciate that and I know things are going to be super great with Slater but um damn it I'm gonna miss you man Zach you're amazing guy and I fully endorse Zach filling in for Slater producer Bill Write this down. Wonderful maiden voyage on the show, Zach. And thanks, thanks for, for all you've done and all your support. Thank you. Thank you. Just beautiful, beautiful stuff. And that, that's what I want. If I can inspire a few younger people to keep this medium alive and keep it fresh and uh, keep it fun without the happy talk, then um, I'm going to have a really great legacy. And that that's isn't that what uh, men care about the most? Our, our legacy. Isn't that why I keep having all these children? segment for you is a little snippet from our live radio show in Sirius XM, which is every morning, 6 a.m. Uh, Eastern, 3 a.m. 
on the West Coast, those of you who are inclined to keep the same hours as I was keeping for a long time. And you can get all that every day, five days a week. Uh, and Mike will be the next host there. And this is my last segment on the air, which I thought was very moving. And I think it reflects the power of the Breitbart News audience in a really positive light. And it made me feel very good. So I wanted to share it with you. Here it is. All right. A lot of people to thank. It's been quite a ride. Ten years just about behind the microphone, Sirius XM and eight on the show. I think six and a half ish in the captain's chair, give or take. Our producers, Zach Jones and Bill Barnett, do an amazing job. Robert Marlowe helps me pick topics. My little inner circle of people I bounce ideas off of, Robert Marlowe, Wynn Marlowe, and Molly Marlowe, the best. Um, I've had a lot of support, SiriusXM. Um, man, man, tough. All right, I got it. Greg Sahakian, Liz Aiello, Dave Gorob, John Connor, Larry Solava, Breitbart News, Andrew Breitbart. Those are the people I owe the most to. And hey, I, I said you got to be authentic, right? Um, it is been a big privilege. The people I owe the most to, though, overall is the audience. There's three ways to support me, as I've been noting the last few days. The first thing is to stick with the show and stick with Breitbart.com. Uh, I'm not going away. I will just be waking up later. Mike is going to do an amazing job, and we know that. Uh, and I think that the callers will still be here. Our Breitbart guests will still be here. And I think the show can only get better with a host who's waking up at a sane hour and who, shockingly, even though he's about my age, has the same exact experience, if not more experience than I do being on the air. I think that's very cool. And that's number one. Number two, if you go to alexmarlow.com and you leave your email address, you write me a note, it can be rage, you can be upset, you can be happy. I just want to make sure that we have a way to stay in touch. And you can leave a comment and get on my email list so I can start, when I start creating content, which will hopefully be soon, that we can connect. Because again, if there's no conversation, if there's no back and forth, um, then it doesn't, I'm, I'm just talking to myself. Man, it took me all day. Took me all day. All right, uh, last thing, and this is one that kind of deserves a little more, probably deserves a, a moment where no tears in my eyes. But um, my one of my big research projects is my next book. It is about Joe Biden and his family. It's called Breaking Biden. And this is the most substantial research project I've ever done. Uh, I'm a GAI fellow on this book, which means I worked with Peter Schweitzer's amazing team on it as well which meant I have five times the resources as I had for Breaking the News, which was a New York Times bestseller, and I think changed the way people perceive corporate media. The subtitles Exposing the Hidden Forces and the Secret Money Machine Behind Joe Biden, His Family, and His Administration. Uh, it, it will, I, I do not want to come off as like I'm bragging or being too much of a salesman, but if people read this book, the world will be different in a, in a positive way. It's not always a pleasurable read, though it is written. It's not a textbook, uh, though there is an index you can keep up with a lot of arguments that I try to suggest to you. But it is a deep dive into uh, what is really an insidious force in this country. And Joe Biden's at the top of it. And no one's given this, I think, level of detail to his life and his legacy and what it means. And if people understand what it means, 
and what how it bodes for our future, then I think people are are, are going to want to take a different different course than we've taken over the last few years. Uh, I'm being vague. I'm not giving details because I don't want the book to get canceled before it comes out because that will defeat the purpose. This is not something you don't take on a, a something like this just for a paycheck or just for vanity. Uh, this is a big swing at trying to help the country and help the world. So Breaking Biden is what it's called. You can get it wherever books are sold on pre-order. And alexmarlow.com is a big icon right there at the top. So those are the things you can do to help me out. And I know that uh, from the outpouring of support I felt last few days, I know you want to. All right. I want to take as many calls as we can in the time we have remaining. Kenny in Georgia, you're next. Kenny, what's up? Alex, it is an honor to uh, to be on with you on your last show. Um, I think the words ring true um, as a longtime listener, uh, carrying on the legacy of Andrew Breitbart. And uh, I think think you embodied that um, with your objective perspective on multiple topics and stories. Um, as a young father myself, as a young conservative, uh, being able to listen to you in the early hours of the morning, um, it's meant a lot because you have uh, given reason to, to a lot of chaos that's gone on and uh, just wanted to say I appreciate you, man. And I, I think I speak for a lot of us out there that say we appreciate you and, and, and your, your stance for objective truth. I'm trying to find it, Kenny, and I'm, when I feel like I'm being subjective, I feel like I try to at least note when that is so you guys can, can see it. But I'm, I'm definitely looking for those. I'm uh, trying to seek out truth first and see wherever that takes me. And if I can, if I can trust my news knows, which I do, then I think we can create some compelling content, and I think we have. Thank you, my friend. Thanks, Kenny. Let's continue with Antonio, Michigan, line four. Antonio, good morning. Hi, Alex. Good morning. Hi, Antonio. Hey, listen, I, I don't know if you realize this or not, but thousands of parents around the country have your show on in the morning when they take their kids to school. And rather than having their minds filled with filth from most of the radio stations, they're getting filled, their minds filled with contemporaneous, quality conservative content. You literally have helped conservative families raise their kids. And that's no small thing, my friend. No small thing. How do you add to that? How do you add to that? I, I, thank you, Antonio. That's that's what I want to hear. That's what I want to hear. Um, Stu, New York, line six. Stu, you're next. Yeah. Hi, Alex. How are you doing? Um, I just wanted to thank you, and you will be missed. You are a common sense voice you and Breitbart are a common sense voice in a world of absolute chaos and uh in the past few months as we've been seeing all these guest hosts coming in um i've kind of suspected that you were going to be on the move and i was disappointed to find out i was, I was right but uh <laughs> in that regard um you keep saying how you're not done and how you don't know where you're going to end up i just wanted to give you my other opinion as to what i think is going on I think you already know where you're going. I think you know where you'll be. I think you're not a man that makes a move without knowing where his next step will be. Anyway, I look forward to hearing about it. I've sent emails, and I will be in touch, and I am a, a lifelong fan of wherever you might be. So thank you again 
for your time, your knowledge, and your and your common sense. Stu, do you want to do the next 10, 10 minutes? You're you're tougher than I am, so you can. Um, uh, I, I think I lost it finally. <laughs> you know what? I get it. It was out. always a risk, I but I, I finally lost it. So after four days. Well, you know what? Enjoy it. You deserve it. And uh, there are times in my life that I've lost it myself at times, and I consider myself one of those alpha males. And you know, you always want to be strong and in control. And uh, we are human, though. And that's uh, true. You losing it just means that you are. You care, and you love what you do, and you'll miss what you do, and we will all miss you. So thank you very, very much for your for your time, your knowledge, and your patience. You guys are making me look good because you guys are so articulate. Thank you, Stu. Exactly right. Exactly well said. Frank, Pennsylvania. Frank. Hey, Alex. Uh, Frank from Pennsylvania. I know we've talked a lot about golf over the years and i haven't had a chance to talk to you since the masters we've had the pga we've had the uh the u.s open and the new live pga merger and uh i know it's not topical but i think introducing it so as i have over the years there's so much nonsense going on this was a fun getaway from all the other stuff for you and me yeah no i it was always fun when you would throw that out there frank because Quite often, I have to go to the golf course in my mind because I can't go to the, the golf course physically because I'm too busy. But um, it's been a great golf season um, for the for for people who follow the majors. Uh, it's been great great major championships this year. Um, but yeah, but there's a big podcast I did. Did you hear my podcast where I broke down the whole live PGA alleged I, merger? I have not. I have not had a heard. Uh, have I had a chance to listen to that? But I'm looking forward to it. Yeah, and, it's, and it's pretty good. It's, I have to say, and this is something, and Frank, I'll let you have an, another moment, but this is one thing that I think sure. is fun about what I get to do, um, is that I think that I had a better angle and approach on that subject than even the golf media, because the golf media can't say certain things. Like, they can't talk about the fact that the PGA canceling all of Trump's tournaments and canceling Trump's PGA championship is, they can't even bring yep. that stuff up when they, uh, <laughs> when they like because they were too afraid to mention that that there's a hugely political element in why a lot of people are unhappy with the PGA. And it's just something that I get to do on the show that corporate media can't always, can't always do. Well, and again, I look forward to listening to that and, and I, you're absolutely right. And just a couple of things that I wanted to thank you for um, and, and Breitbart, um, the knowledge and knowledge is power. There are so many, so many things that, because of of listening to you for so many years we would know weeks months sometimes years in advance about stories that all of a sudden people are saying hey did you hear about that well yeah we've known about that for two years where have you been and i want to thank you for that because that's the knowledge that gives all of us power to keep pushing forward and i i really appreciate that Frank, thank you very much. That's a, a another one. You guys are hitting all my erogenous zones, so to speak. Sorry for you with kids in the car, which is many of you. You don't have to explain that word yet. They're young enough. Uh, it's episode three thirty four for that golf podcast. Uh, golf podcast where I broke down the live Saudi um, PGA Tour probable merger. Though the there'll be a lot of people in Washington who don't want that to happen. Um, but yes, looking down the road, looking at the future, seeing what's coming next. It can be very lonely. It can be lonely because I feel like I sometimes see things developing and I'm struggling to get people's attention on it. And then I have to make my peace with that, that not everyone's going to pay attention. But I know a lot of you all will. And that's a comfort to me. 
And also, when you think I'm way off base, I know I'll hear from you in real time, either via email or calls. But there's been a few over the years, too many to name, I'm happy to say, where I do feel like I've given you the most cutting-edge information and tried to give you some insight into things so you were prepared before things happened. Uh, Of the things that I'm most proud of, that might be number one. Might be number one. Ed, Massachusetts, line seven. Ed, good morning. Yeah, hey, Alex. You know, just quickly, you know, your interviews with, with journalists and politicians are off the chart good. But what really shows, in, and I, I've never seen anything like this, is the respect you show for the callers. And maybe it's not as articulate, myself included. You actively listen. It's never condescending. And the respect you show for those callers is just rare in your business. So, um, you know, I, that's, I think that's really appreciated. Uh, I don't have the patience sometimes for it, but you actively <laughs> listen. You may not agree. But it's it's been just a joy listening to you over the years. Thank you, Ed. And I love the callers, and I don't understand how any host could be different. And I know some people, they get a lot of trolls or they get people who are not really feel like giving it an honest try to try to have a great conversation. Um, so I, I, I'm trying to be charitable, but I've always thought that you guys are my secret weapon. Um, and I don't, it's not a put on, obviously. I've got eight years of taking as many calls as I can and trying to be respectful as I can. Thousands and thousands and thousands of calls as evidence. So it's a, but that's, that's how I've always felt. And I think that's why live radio matters. Live radio is the best medium. It just is. There's so many great mediums, but you cannot beat live radio for specifically that reason. Uh, but it's a lot of pressure. And I'm, uh, I'm lucky enough that I'm good on my feet. I, I don't know. Maybe it's coming from Hollywood and having, I guess, a, being conscientious of how important improv is and all that stuff growing up. Maybe it's that. Maybe it's just a natural thing. But it's it's pressure to take callers live and make that a centerpiece of your show. But for me, it was always a secret weapon. Always a secret weapon to be able to do that. Um, Robert, Pennsylvania, line nine. What's up, Robert? Uh, yeah, Alex, it's, uh, it's been a pleasure listening to you for all these years. Uh, you've introduced me to David Webb and Andrew Welkow, and I just want to thank you for your contribution to this country. I mean, you, you really open eyes, so I really appreciate it. Good luck. Kind of you, Robert. Future. And I, I have great colleagues on the station. Um, Stacey Washington sent me a really nice note, and Wilkow was already kind of excited I can be on his show more, more time for that. So that was kind of funny. So, um, yes, I'm, I'm looking forward to being guests on everyone else's show. Patriot is the best. It's just the best. Uh, it's a, The whole lineup is good, and Mike will uh, certainly fit in nicely when he starts Monday. Jerry, Florida, line two. You're next, Jerry. Alex, you're gonna be, you really don't realize how much you're going to be missed. There was Rush, and then there was Alex. I spent at least six hours a day listening to you both and enjoyed every minute of it. Jerry, you're the best, and I really appreciate your your commitment to the show and your willingness to call in and stay on hold and add to it. Jerry's one of our regular callers. It's just so cool. It's so cool. I'm so lucky. Dan, Georgia, line three. Dan, you're going to get the last word. Hey, Alex. I just wanted to thank you. I'm, I'm 42 years old. i got an eight-month-old baby. Um, kind of put off starting a family my whole life, but... 
you and your segments on Master Marlowe and Master Marlowe Jr. and Duchess Marlowe and talking to Charlie and all the fun you guys have uh, inspired me to start a family link. So trying to have another baby, uh, trying to add to the to the Breitbart kingdom uh, as much as we can here, and I just want to thank you for that. An amazing note to go out on, Dan. Thank you. Thanks to everyone. And all of you are a big part of my life forever. I'm American made. I got American parts. All right. Thanks a lot to producer Zach Jones yet again. Bill Barnett helps us produce the live show. Robert Marlowe helps me pick topics. Big shout out to the Marlowe family for being my support system during what has been a very emotional week or so. And I can't thank all of you enough, the podcast listeners. If you go to alexmarlowe.com and you drop me an email, you will find out what's next for me. But in the meantime, supporting Mike and going to brightport.com are the best things you can do. And I'll talk to you soon. Love with her.